This is the Citizen of Heaven podcast number 196, Communication, Part 2. I am Hal Hammonds, and I am a Citizen of Heaven, and your embedded correspondent in Satan's world. Thanks for coming back. This is the second of three parts of my conversation with Josh Creel and Dr. Kenny Embry. This segment introduces 12 Rules for Life by Dr. Jordan Peterson, a book we will be referencing throughout the month. No, we won't be covering all 12 rules, but we will touch on several of them. We get the ball rolling this week by talking about the value of listening, especially when the person talking is, in our minds, downright wrong. You're going to hear me reference Jordan Peterson's book, 12 Rules for Life, for a while. Since my guests this week are expert communicators, I thought we'd start with rule nine. Assume that the person you're listening to might know something you don't. Mm-hmm. It's his position that our failure to get our point across is largely because we are not good listeners. We're so busy evaluating the other person, we never really get to know him. We listen to their stories as a way of getting to tell our own stories. As long as we make what others say all about us, we will never form true relationships. Agree or disagree? Well, I'm going to disagree with the first thing. Uh, expert communicator. I, I don't think I've ever been. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been referred to that in my life. And I have a confession to make as well. I've never read a Jordan Peterson book, so I don't know if that disqualifies my, disqualifies me from uh, being able to share any thoughts here. But uh, I will agree with the premise. Um, and I think not only is that a danger in how we approach conversations with others, and, I, and I'll get to uh, what I think are some really important applications for that. I think Paul warns us about doing that with God. Yeah. When in 1 Corinthians 2, Paul is, is speaking of how, how it is we can know the mind of God. And you can only know the mind of God if God reveals it. And God has chosen to do so through his apostles and his chosen messengers. And again, that's first Corinthians two, 10 through 13, or you can read the whole chapter for that matter. I think he's dealing with people who were, were trying to approach God from the standpoint of, we will find the teacher that agrees with us. You know, things we we've already talked about how, whether it be in the university structure or whether it be in the internet or just the people that we choose to, to talk with and communicate with, we're, we're looking for those echo chambers. And if I approach the scriptures that way, then I have just approached God trying to make his word about what I think and going into it with, here's, here's the truth because I've already determined what the truth is. And we all know as those who study the word, there are some challenges, you know, there are some challenges in, in studying the words of God to, to find not only my understanding of, of what this means, but how can I then make that make sense to others so that we can come to some consensus and agreement and unity? So there are some real challenges there. But the greatest challenge is, am I going to the Word of God finding what I want to hear, or am I going to the Word of God and letting Him speak to me? Right. One of my favorite verses is one that I, I, I wrench out of context all the time. It says exactly what I wanted to say, but you can basically read the same sentiment across the scriptures. It's First Thessalonians 5.21, where, where he says, test all things and hold fast to that which is good. He's talking about prophecies there. But but one of the things that, that I think that, that as Christians we have to do is we have to test 
everything, especially the things that we think we know. I think there's some very fundamental questions that we often do not ask ourselves because I don't know that we that we know, always know the answers. Who is God? Is he good? Those are very simple questions that I don't know a lot of people can answer. And I think it deserves an answer. The thinking that you have here, and I completely agree with this, is that you do have something to learn from everyone. And not all the information that you have to learn from other people is really all that worthwhile sometimes. For my students, I'm learning a lot about Cardi B. But that's not very worthwhile. Um, (laughs) Amen to that. (laughs) But what am I really learning from my students? What's important to them? I'm learning what they're spending their time doing. I'm also learning if these are the things that interest them now, how do I talk to them about things that are more important? And that, to me, is worth knowing. But that's me analyzing my students. I think it's probably just as important and maybe more important that I analyze myself and my God. Because I think as we start analyzing what I can learn from God, and don't come to the conclusion that what God says is automatically right. Test it. Test it to see if it really is right. It should be. But don't come to that conclusion before you've actually tested it. It's like somebody saying, this is a diamond. How do I know it's a diamond? Because I told you it's a diamond. No, go run the test. Go run the test to see if it's actually worth anything or not. If it's not worth anything, it won't stand up to scrutiny. So start testing what God says and then see if it's worth if it's worth doing or not. My suspicion is that you will it, it will be worth something. But if you start with the same, with that foregone conclusion that because I read it in the Bible it has to be true, it's exactly the same mistake that we make with other people that are on the opposite side of this that they haven't even read the Bible. It's easy for us to criticize others without examining ourselves and what we believe. Kenny and I talk about this all the time, how, how almost everything is relational. You, you come back to that. You and I, we, we look at some of the things that God says to us. And again, within our culture, you know, people are going to buck against, you know, here, here is a, a God that has expectations and some pretty, you know, we we'll say very ultra conservative expectations when it comes to our morality. Mm-hmm. Well, if you actually read the Bible and read it, read it from that relational standpoint, it becomes a little more clear. If the point is to be with God, and that's what paradise is, that's what heaven is. Yeah, yeah. Then marital fidelity begins to make a whole lot more sense. Truthfulness begins to make a whole lot more sense. Because you're reading the scriptures and you're reading about a God who is faithful and you're reading about a God who, when he communicates, doesn't lie and he keeps his promises. Mm -hmm. And so then when we begin to look at these particular moral laws that we're to follow, 
they make sense and they would be true to the, to, to Kenny's point about, you know, test it to see if, you know, if it's true and if it's valuable, it is going to be valuable if it helps me to be more like him because that's the again, goal. But again, that's very much depends on how you read it. And I think that's how God wants us to read it. I think, I think that's built into the scripture that here is the mind of God. You can be like me and I'm going to show you how. And that's the transforming that we can have uh, and to overcome, again, what our humanity and, and humanism ha- has gotten us into. The Jordan Peterson quote that, that you're talking about there is, is, is that we have something to learn from everyone. Part of that is giving people the respect that they deserve and the interest that they deserve. We talked about in the first segment we don't know who's going to walk through the doors of our building, but I can tell you this. Anybody who's going in there not knowing a soul has a lot of brave, a lot of courage. They're, they're being very brave to come to basically – in our congregation, we can get between 400 and 500 people in, in, the, in the doors. That's a big number of strangers to plop yourself in the middle of. And basically, that's, that's, that's a very intimidating experience. To be a fish out of water and then have absolutely nobody show any interest in what you think or who you are. That's not only dangerous, that's rude. Realize that everybody has a belief system that usually up until that point has worked pretty well for them according to their own standard. I think it behooves us to understand who they are and what's working for them, and what's not working for them, and how we can help them. I've learned so much from people I had no idea I could learn anything from. I remember a guy growing up. He had an eighth-grade education. He bragged about it. That's what he bragged about. (laughs) I watched him build a shed. That was amazing. He had a whole skill set that I have no, I, I don't have that skill set. I just don't. But what he was able to do w- with some wood and a saw and some nails, that was amazing. If you cannot appreciate what other people have learned in their life experience, just the consideration of listening to them for a little bit. If, they, if you don't have time for that, I worry about you. Because you're probably just a little bit too arrogant. You're probably just a little bit too full of yourself. There, there are two areas that I find myself coming to this point in my in my teaching that I, I come to rather frequently. The first one is in a relationship that you know you would think both parties would have this really vested interest in understanding the other person, and that of course is the marriage relationship. Yeah. When I do premarital counseling, I, I take the couple through five different chapters of the Bible. And the one that I enjoyed the most is 1 Peter 3. And in 1 Peter 3, you've got the first six verses, which are, are talking to the wife. And there's only one verse that is addressed to the husband, but it's the verse that I spend the most time on of any uh, of the verses or chapters even that, that we talk about in that study session. And that's because it says to the husband to dwell with their wives in an understanding way. And I I just tell, you know, these couples, I said, guys, be better than me. It took me 10 years to understand (laughs) some pretty fundamental truths about my wife. And that was on me because I wasn't listening and I wasn't asking the right questions. It. It was there to be discovered. 
Now it's not it doesn't say that we don't have fights still because we do. We're you know we're we're in this process of still being melded together, uh, <laughs> and that can be a fairly painful process. Yeah. But we don't have the same fight over and over again, which we used to. And again, that's because I wasn't trying to understand. And that's, that's, that's the message I'm trying to save, you know, these couples, at least some of the pain, <laughs> like listen, ask questions, talk. There's no, there's no shortcut for it. It's still going to take years for you to get to, you know, this, this area of better understanding, but you better at least go into it with the desire to understand and know the other person because they're not going to do what you want them to do all the time. They're not going to think how you want them to think all the time. They're not going <laughs> to respond to you the way you want to be responded to all the time. And th- again, there's no way to learn that except through the experience. But if you go into it with, okay, I'm going to try to see what does this reaction tell me about her or him? Yeah. I've grown in my understanding. And I tell you, that, that that's a huge one. I'm sitting here looking at my bookshelf across the way as I am recording this, and I'm looking at the various books that I have read, uh, largely for this podcast. This one shelf over here is nonfiction books, and I'm looking at a book about the Kennedy assassination, and I'm looking at a Daniel Boone biography, and I'm I'm looking at the Wright brothers, various books about various things, Hillbilly Elegy by J.D. Vance, the biography on on Garfield that I read that I obsessed with for a month. There are all kinds of different perspectives out there on subjects that I didn't know I was interested in until I got into it. Books about engineering. I had a bridge building book that I read one time, you know, and on and on. Exposing yourself to different points of view, exposing yourself to different worlds is, I think, to a certain degree, an ennobling kind of thing. It's a world enlarging thing especially yeah. if I'm able to connect with that in some kind of spiritual way and, and make some kind of spiritual application when values are being presented, when a, mm-hmm. a world point of view is being presented, which is not especially unusual. Most people who write even nonfiction books have a point of view. They have a, an agenda they're trying to pursue. That's where the critical thing has to come in. That's where I have to, measure the quality of a person's life, the quality of a person's point of view. And I I have a deep reverence for books. I always have. And I have this very deep tendency to assume if I read it in a book or even to a lesser degree, I read it on the internet. I'm assuming that it's true. I am going to take this person at his word. That's not always mm-hmm. a healthy attitude to take. Not every point of view is of equal value. Not every testimony is equally accurate. Some are deliberately inaccurate, in fact. And so if I can take a, a critical view toward, toward these kind of things, I'm going to be able to not only find out who these people are and what they have to say, but I'm also going to help me help myself move toward where I want to be and not get sidetracked with false teachings and false philosophies and such. I think that's what connecting with, with people is all about, what listening to people is all about, not changing my personal worldview, but appreciating somebody else's worldview. And realizing that they have something to offer me. And it may be yeah. life-altering. It, it may yeah. be extremely dramatic, or maybe not. And it may be the other way around. But if I don't cross that bridge, kind of going back to what we were talking about in the in the previous segment, this person may not be inclined to listen to me and vice versa. But somebody's mm-hmm. going to have to make the first move. 
And if I will open myself to their point of view, if I will start investigating Taylor Swift and uh, Taylor Swift tickets and things of that nature, if I will look into Cardi B and see if there's any value there. Don't do that. Don't, don't do, that. do that. Don't do that. No, well, that's no, why no. it's good to have good friends that can do the, the hard work for you. But if I can open myself up to these people and I can appreciate them for who they are, where they are, then maybe they can return the favor and we can start a dialogue and I can be better off and they can be better off and we can help one another grow a better life and hopefully a better life that is directed toward God and the things of God. Yeah. I think that's where we have to be careful. I don't want anybody to misunderstand me. There are different kinds of truth. There is the objective, right, wrong, true, false. Mm-hmm which is what most of us get fixated on. And that's why we still argue with our wives because we are convinced something is the right way. And my wife or someone else, they may not be agreeing with me so that we get fixated on that (laughs) truth. Yeah. But as how, as you're talking, the idea is when you're listening to someone, you're listening to their perspective there's always an objective, yes, right, wrong, true, false, and not every opinion is equally valid from that standpoint, but every opinion is valid if because it shows me and tells me some truth about that person. Right. And I come to appreciate where they're coming from, and I can then understand them. That's where I find even, you know, speaking to our congregation that I've mm-hmm. spent more years, really in the last five years, preaching from Romans 14 and 15 than any other passage. And how I don't know about you, but you know, 20 years ago, I think the only time I ever thought about Romans 14 was dealing with, well, what does this say about fellowshipping someone who had a different understanding of the marriage question? Exactly. Well, in the last five years, I've been preaching from Romans 14 and 15 and dealing with, okay, how do we as a church function when we see politics different? Mm-hmm. When we don't all vote for the same party, mm-hmm. when protests in the streets are viewed favorably by some and are viewed as anarchy by others, mm-hmm. you know, how or mask, you know, mask mandates, you know, whether you should or you should not and, and vaccine mandates, you know, how do we where there is, yes, some objective truth, absolute right, wrong on all those issues that mm-hmm. I'm going to confess, I'm not wise enough to know what absolute right and wrong is on all those issues. But I'm dealing with 400 people who are all across the spectrum on those things. Yeah. And that's where Romans 14 and 15 has become an invaluable passage. Accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Mm-hmm. And that's where those conversations are so very important. I may not agree with what you've said, but I want to understand why it is you've come to that conclusion. And I may not change my mind, but at least I'll know where you're coming from and I can appreciate how it is you've arrived at that conclusion. Yeah. Well, how, how many times do you think Simon the Canaanite, which is to say terrorist, and <laughs> Matthew the tax collector had political conversations when they're walking by the way. Uh, I don't know how often because the Bible doesn't talk about it, but I have a pretty good idea what happened when it did happen. If it happened, Jesus put a stop to it. Uh, This is not what we're here for. And people like that were able to come together in fellowship because they acknowledged and practiced the fact that there was something that united them that was greater than what was separating them. 
And if we can truly define ourselves by our faith and allow other people from different perspectives to define themselves by their faith, we may find that this peace issue that we're so fretting about kind of takes care of itself. It just automatically generates when we're unified walking in the spirit. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I mean, I I don't want this to, to come across the wrong way, but I love you guys. How there's not a toy store that I can't go by and, and pass by a bunch of board games and not think of you. <laughs> but the, on top of that, I have listened to your programs for a long time. You're a good buddy of mine. I love what you do. I love who you are. I love I love you. And, and the same thing with Josh. With Josh, I mean, I love who Josh is. He has a misbegotten affinity for, for iPhone. And he's a, he's a biker, cannot bicyclist. Thank you. Um, Thank you very much. <laughs> Those are different. But, yeah, and, and and the thing about it is, is with you two guys, if we disagree on something, who cares? You, you know why? Because I love you guys. The, the The thing about it is, is if we have differences of opinion or differences of interpretation, will we work them out? We might, and we might not. Mm-hmm. But guess what? At the end of the day, I still love you guys. And that's not going to change. I want to try and change your mind. I hope you try to change my mind. But at the end of the day, I love you guys. Same thing with my wife. For some reason, my wife has gotten it into her head that there is a right place to put things in the dishwasher. I, I, that's I'm sorry. true, by the way. <laughs> no, that is not. <laughs> there is apparently only one place for the plates to go. Look, I mean... I have a lot more fluid way of putting things in the dishwasher that drives my wife to distraction. Is she trying to convince me otherwise? Of course she is. I love my wife. And at the end, how I've heard you say this a hundred times, sometimes you can either be right or you can be happy. And sometimes what you need to do is choose happiness. When my wife gets in the car, sometimes she likes to tell me how to get to our destination. Is there a faster way to go? Is there a shorter way to go? There is an objective answer there, and I will win the battle and lose the war. Look, I love my wife. I love you guys. I can I can disagree with you guys. And that's probably the highest compliment that I can pay anybody. You've been listening to the Citizen of Heaven podcast. Thank you for your support. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe through your favorite podcast platform and or on YouTube comments, corrections, and suggestions are always welcome. Please feel free to follow me through Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, or Instagram, or check out my webpage, www.halhammonds.com. Until next time, be strong and courageous, fight the good fight of faith, and do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is Hal Hammonds, the Citizen of Heaven, signing off.